Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh yeah, you know what that music means. Welcome into episode 11 of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener right here, Karen Curtis over there, and we are ready to go on another wild ride after our two-part series of the ancient aliens uh, theories and stories and happenings is all done. We are now moving on back to modern times. Karen, how are you? I'm well, and you know what? We're so on top of everything. Yeah, we try. Here at UAP. (laughs) Our episode eight, we had sound from the former Arizona governor, Fife Simington. Yes, our buddy Fife. Remember, he broke away from his security and drove his own car to see the lights of her Phoenix? That's right. Yeah, we on our, uh, like you said, episode eight of uh, mass sightings. And that was one of the more famous ones that we talked about. Indeed, it was. And we're so ahead of the curve. He is now going to be the keynote speaker today. Whoa. At an annual conference that takes place. Uh, apparently, it's going to be online, but it would be in Phoenix. Remember, he saw these lights over Phoenix when he was governor, but didn't talk about it mm-hmm. until recently. Well, I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over Squaw Peak that was, you know, it was just breathtaking. Yeah, so we had that back in episode eight, what, a few weeks ago, and now here we are, and he's the keynote speaker at this conference taking place in Phoenix. So how do you like that? Yeah, they never determined what the lights were, but he saw them. And so if you want to check it out, our episode eight podcast has all of that information and interview with him. You can catch any of the episodes if you missed any of the past 10, which, by the way, I should also mention, this is the beginning of season two. This is season two now of UAP. So we decided to kind of break it up into seasons. I thought okay. that would be a little bit more fancy. I like it. And so with since we ended last time with uh, Ancient Aliens Part 2, it was episode 10, I thought, well, let's, let's start fresh here. Season 2, episode 1 now, which is episode 11 overall of UAP. So. And the, we talked about the Nazca lines and Gobekli Tepe and all, you know, all the crazy stuff that has been built on the Earth like 50,000 years ago by... By aliens. So By aliens. Like, or <laughs> Check all that out. Or it's, berry uh, gatherers. But yeah. I got you a present. Oh, you did? Yeah. And it it's a reference to the Nazca lines. That's oh, okay. all I'm going to say. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing that. But you can, yeah, check it all out, 850WFTL.com. Um, you can search for the UAP blog. All the past episodes are there. Or you can also, of course, search it anywhere you look for your podcast, Apple, Spotify. You can find every episode of UAP and Take a listen, binge listen, I guess if that's a thing. Absolutely. And I guess that kind of takes us into our next subject here. Yeah, and make sure you subscribe, would you? So one of the most interesting airline pilot sightings, Stephen. Yes, because that's what this is all about here today. Because we talked about the lights over Phoenix and mass sightings. 
today that kind of leads into what which is sightings from pilots and this has actually happened more than uh, you might have realized. I mean, there's a lot of sightings. We're only to talk about three today, but there's so many more that I had to cut out when we were looking at some of the research here for today's episode. But these three really kind of highlight some of the more fascinating pilot sighting stories ever recorded, honestly. So two of them are backed up by radar, right. which is kind of interesting. And the third one, there was photographic evidence and multiple people saw it. But this one happened actually over Alaska. It was a Japanese cargo plane piloted by a guy at 10,000 flight hours. He'd been flying for 29 years. He was stationed in Alaska in Anchorage. And mm. he was so he was flying the leg from Paris to Tokyo and he had a cargo load of Beaujolais wine. Oh, good. And no, he had not been drinking no. it. Hey, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Because that's the first thing someone's going to, yeah. oh, well, he was drunk then. He must have been drinking the wine. The no. Guy, yeah, the guy carrying all the wine saw a UFO. Yeah. Right. No. So uh, this guy on flight 1628, the Japanese Airlines, he saw a mothership yes. four times bigger than an aircraft carrier, and it caused turbulence to his plane. He did. Now, try to imagine that. Imagine the size of an aircraft carrier, okay? These giant ships that float through the oceans of the world with all the aircraft that are big enough to hold multiple fighter jets, okay? And we're talking about four times bigger. Now, if you've ever been to any type of, you know, uh, shipyard or, you know, a, like a Navy day or something. It's big. They're, they're huge, Actually, these things. They're Fy buildings. Fife Symington said that the lights over Phoenix, the thing he saw was so big a plane could land on it. That's right. So now you're talking about something similar to size and what they saw in Phoenix. And but now you're talking about something that is being described by a pilot, a seasoned pilot, as four times bigger than an aircraft carrier. Could you imagine seeing something like that while you're flying? And then, I mean, it's causing turbulence to your, to your aircraft? No. In fact, it wasn't just him. It was the two other crew members saw it, too. So there were three people. Right. And he's a veteran Japanese pilot. And... He said that this mysterious object was so enormous, it dwarfed his cargo plane full of wine. That's right. Yeah. And cargo planes are big. Yeah. I mean, those are really big aircraft. I mean, he's an ex-fighter pilot. He's right. obviously not a kamikaze pilot. No, gosh, no. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and in the cockpit's left-hand seat, his co-pilot, uh, Takanori Tamafuji. Oh, good. You nailed it. Thank you. And in the right seat, the flight engineer, Yoshiro Tascuba. Tascuba. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, they had tons of flight hours between them, and he drew a picture That's of right. the object. And he said it looked like a giant walnut-shaped object. Yeah, and if... Yeah, walnuts, is, walnuts go really good with red wine. They do, actually. But this is something that, if you've never seen the picture, because I've seen the picture, of course, um, but we'll have it up on our yes. UAP blog, 850WFTL.com, so you can listen and you can go back and say, oh, okay, so this is what the picture looked like. So that'll be accompanying the podcast, if you will, when you listen to this. So it was a walnut shape with big bulges above and below a wide, flattened brim. Yeah, and you're talking about, again, something enormous Huge. where... Again, these, these are three different 
pilots, co-pilots, whatever you want to call them, who are seeing the same thing, they can't all be wrong, right? I mean, this is something, this isn't some, you know, cow farmer in Kansas or whatever who's no. standing out in his in his fields looking up in the sky and saying, wow, look at that, I wonder what that could be. I wonder what that is. Yes, these are seasoned pilots who are describing something otherworldly. And, and they're tr- having trouble describing how could this thing even be flying and who does it belong to? Well, in that, and it's screwing up their aircraft. I know many pilots who've seen things, but they don't want to say anything, you know, because they get ridiculed. But yes. this thing was causing turbulence. They said that there were two other crafts as well that were escorting the big one. And they had arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters. Their bodies remained obscured by darkness and then when they got close, right. the aircraft's cabin lit up and the captain could feel the heat from them on his face. Mm. Then these two departed before the third, much larger disc started trailing them. And that's when it started causing all kinds of turbulence and it, their radios were breaking up. And yes. in order to change altitude or make any moves, they were they needed to get in contact with the tower. Right. And they couldn't because they were breaking up. Which is a common theme you're going to hear, actually, in some of these other stories. The instruments just go crazy. And you hear that with every other pilot encounter as well. They talk about how sometimes the instruments shut off. They go yes. haywire. They can't use things. Things just break down. And, I mean, whether that it has to do... jammed or something. Right. So, does that have to do with the, you know, maybe supposed electromagnetism of the UFO or some type of weapon system that's being used? I mean, we don't know. But the fact of the matter is they're not the first pilots to, as you're going to hear, to report that type of phenomenon when it comes to encountering these things in midair. And it's funny you also say, Karen, that, you know, a lot of these pilots like Five Symington, who was the governor, right? He was the governor yes. of Arizona. and 97. he was. Also, a former fighter pilot before becoming governor of Arizona when the Phoenix Lights happened in 1997. These are no schlubs. These are, and these are people who, like you said, for fear of, of being ridiculed or saying, you know, hey, you're crazy, you can't fly anymore, they just don't report it. Now, in this case, the pilot of the Japanese cargo plane did report it against his superior's wishes. They said, you better not tell anybody about this. Well, he told the newspaper... And in the, I guess in pilot terms, they said, you'll be flying a desk for the rest of your career. <laughs> and he did. Flying a desk. They, they did. They took oh. him out of the sky. A guy who had over 10,000 hours of flight. Poor Captain Kanjo Taruchi. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is what they did to these people. And now, you know, he people was... will talk about it more freely because of the disclosure from, from Congress and the UFO report and everything. That's right. Which verifies there are UFOs, okay? Right. The government says so. And that's why we started doing this podcast. That's right. Uh, but the cargo plane was actually on autopilot when he started, you know, seeing these things. Mm. So they were flying parallel and suddenly approached very close. And he requested and received FAA permission to take whatever action was necessary to avoid the object, which was a big-ass thing. Yeah. And the FAA confirmed on Tuesday the government radar picked up the object that Tarucci said followed his Boeing 747 cargo jet. It followed him. He did a circle maneuver. Complete circle. It went away for a couple seconds, and then it was back again behind him, causing all kinds of turbulence. Yeah, there's been other reports, too. And I think it happened in this case, but definitely in other pilot um, sighting cases where you have these things come up on radar. And sometimes they're so big that the air traffic controllers have actually thought... Well, that's got to be a flock of birds, right. or that's got to be you know a cluster of ships. But it ends up being 
just one. It would take up the whole screen. Right. It ends up being one massive thing on the radar, and they can't understand why or how that's even happening, but it happened. Well, United Flight 69 was near, and they said, you want to go take a look? And the pilot said, "This is now this is a passenger plane. The pilot of that plane says, fine, I'll go look at it, but he stayed like 20 kilometers behind because he's got passengers on board just for safety purposes. Sure. He didn't see anything. And so... <laughs> A group of UFO skeptics say the crew on the Japanese cargo ship saw Jupiter and Mars. Oh, yes. Or it was crystals in the sky. But the weather was clear that night. Right. It's always swamp gas or light reflecting off of Venus. I was nowhere near there. Yes, that's right. It's it's so silly. I mean, these explanations that they come up with. How do you even believe that? Honestly, if you're a skeptic listening to this show right now and you're thinking, well, it's got to be this or that. Do you honestly believe, and you can believe whatever you want, but how What's do you- What's it going to take? Right. I mean, and, and how do you convince yourself, th- seriously, that, oh, well, it was just the light from Jupiter and Venus reflecting, and that's what they saw. How can you honestly believe that to be a, a well, good explanation? Venus is the number one UFO sighting, illegitimate one. It's yes. a planet, but that's the number one thing that's spotted in the sky and mistakenly- thought to be a ufo and that's totally fine look i'll be the first person to concede that there's a lot of stupid people out there but at the but same venus time, doesn't move suddenly straight up in the air and <laughs> yes, disappear exactly those are people who are seeing a bright light in the sky and they don't know well, you know what the planets are so when you have people who are trained pilots or fighter pilots people who essentially it's their second nature to be in the air they understand how aeronautics work and they it's not the first time they've seen you know Jupiter and Mars while they're flying I think Thank they you. understand the difference between what Jupiter and Mars looks like versus a ship that's four times bigger than an aircraft carrier that they drew a picture right. of to describe that looks like Come a on. walnut I don't think planets are shaped like walnuts get real it was a big ass nut yes this is the first time they were in the air and they said what are those bright lights in the yeah. sky what they don't the know heck? what the planets are give me a break at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So there was a three-month investigation by the FAA. They formally released their results at a press conference in 1987, and they suggested that their controllers confirmed that there wasn't a UFO. They said it was a split radar image, which appeared with unfortunate timing. 
Oh, I see. And he said the FAA did not have enough material to confirm that something was there. And though they were accepting the descriptions by the crew, they were unable to support what they saw. But then the sighting received so much special attention from the media. And as a supposed instance of a tracking of a UFO on both ground and airborne radar, it was being observed by experienced airline pilots with significant confirmation from an FAA division chief. It then kind of became, yeah, it's a real Yeah, a sighting. little bit more, uh, you know, uh, weight behind it, so to speak. It wasn't like skeptics were saying two planets in the sky. It's a little hard to deny it when you've got, you know, ground and airborne radar uh, airline pilots, three of them, and then also an FAA division chief all saying, yeah, there was something there. Right. So that's the bottom line. And that was really, again, you know, we wanted to start with that one because it's it's such a fascinating case. It kind of had it all. You had multiple witnesses. You had radar proof as well. Um, and then you have the FAA coming out eventually and, you know, acknowledging that this did happen and they don't know what it was. And you also have the instance of a pilot who decided to speak up and paid the ultimate price for it. I mean, they... they, they He's they, flying a desk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they made him fly the desk. They took away what he loved to do because he was willing to speak up and say what he saw. At least they didn't make him a kamikaze pilot. Oh, gosh. Okay. No. So now we've got the Iranian fighter pilots encounter UFOs three times over a span of multiple years. Right. So this is pretty crazy. So we go to the other side of the world now. Okay. And the first encounter, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, is 1976. Correct, over the desert of Tehran. Yes. And now keep in mind, you might think to yourself, yes, it's modern day terms. So how was Iran, you know, how do they have this air force and everything? Now, they're flying our planes. Yes, there was a certain time where we actually did work with Iran before the revolution and all those different things. I mean, they, they had our F-4 Tomcats, I believe is what it is. And now they've got even more stuff. Yeah, well, that's a whole different story for a different podcast. But that's so those are the airplanes or the fighter jets that they were using um, at that time. And they still use them now because they couldn't get any new stuff from us for, you know, world diplomatic and politic reasons. But this is something that goes back to 1976 where an Iranian pilot ends up seeing something in the sky, chases after the lights... And, I mean, really, chaos ensues from there. Yeah, so the fighter pilots, there's several of them, see an object with multicolor lights, and the plane's weapons and instruments go down. Right. See, there you go again. It was just after midnight, September 19th, 1976. Again, he's over the desert, right? Right. And residents started calling the airport. They're seeing the lights, too, on the ground, in the sky. As And it looked like there was, it was like someone was looking for something. Yes, right. So it's, it's it was kind of you know maneuvering very oddly with the way that the lights were moving as well. And they said it looked like shooting stars being controlled by some unknown entity. And that's really it fits the description of a lot of the sightings that we hear about of UFOs, UAPs, of this instantaneous movement where it goes from point A to point B in almost a blink of an eye. Right. And it, it, it moves in ways that are physically impossible for us to engineer. No sound, no contrail. Right. So they scrambled the F-4 fighter planes, and when they approached the UFO, everything went down. Their dials, instruments, weapons, all jammed. And then a second F-4 Phantom was deployed at about 140, and the UFO reflected off its radar field, so it was just like, it it was blocking it. The radar apparently it had multicolor lights, mm-hmm. and it was causing this 
deflection. And the craft stopped and then defied physics. It was going Mach 10, which right. is 7,600 miles an hour. We have no planes that can do that. <laughs> our, our rocket ships can. We our had one ship yeah. that went went like 6.8. Gosh. 6,000 miles an hour from NASA. But this thing stops on a dime and defies physics by just sitting in the air. Right. And this kind of adds, um, when you look back to the USS Nimitz encounter. Right. From 2014, I believe that was, where that's that's the video. That's the video that started it all that kind of opened up this congressional hearing that got people talking about it in the mainstream news where these Navy pilots were saying, yeah, we were chasing these things, kind of like the Iranian pilot. They were in the same situation. And, I mean, you see in the video, if you've never seen the video, maybe we'll put that on the UAP blog as well for episode 11. Where I mean, it's a famous video now where the UFO is stopping on a dime. It's turning to its side. It's going super fast across the water, almost to the point where, you know, our Navy couldn't keep up with it in the fighter jets. Yeah, it's what, five times the speed of sound or something? Right. Um, but then it drops a ball of light, a bright object, out of its main hull. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a torpedo made of light. Yes. And... Apparently, the fighter jet got target lock and then it jammed. Right. So he was going out. I mean, it was essentially a dogfight. Right. It was an Iranian pilot with a dogfight with, with a UFO over Tehran. And as he was about, like you said, Karen, about to fire his weapon, really, the, the instruments get jammed. So what kind of capability are we dealing with here? Well, they can just jam our weapons, jam our systems, and we can't do a darn thing about it. And they also fired like a laser missile. Right. So that one thing went to the ground, the other one missile was aimed at the fighter jets, and it, their missile lock jammed, and then that missile went went back to the ship, but they dropped that bright ball, went on the ground. When it finished, it went back to the mothership, and there was no trace whatsoever of this UFO or whatever it shot to the ground. It was never found or never reported. And if you remember, going back to one of our previous episodes, I want to say maybe this was episode five, possibly. I forget. If I, I'm wrong, please forgive me. Um, with the Dulce base wars. It reminds me of the the description of the alien weapon that Phil Schneider talked about. That blew his fingers off. That's right. He talked about that ray of light that came out um, of their weapon and kind of like opened him up and took his fingers off his hand and all these different crazy things, burned his his toes and all this. So it, it kind of, oddly enough, matches the description of how these weapons look. It's a lightsaber. Yeah, maybe. So, so the second encounter was in 2004. Right. Strange aircraft spotted over Iran. They scrambled their F-4 Tomcats that we gave them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were Actually, they used the F-4 Tomcats to protect their nuclear sites. Right. And the UFO was picked up on radar this time. Pilots climbed into their F-4 Tomcats, scrambled to fight a possible attack on their nuclear facilities. Right. So that now at this point, you have the Iranian forces panicking because they're thinking... Holy cow. I mean, who's attacking our nuclear facility? You know, maybe they're thinking it's the U.S. Maybe they're thinking it's Russia. Who, they did. China, who knows? Yeah. So they're thinking, well, somebody is flying. So there's something. There's something flying over our nuclear facility. That we know because we can see it on a radar. We need to get somebody out there right now. So this is one of those, like, um, indisputable cases. Yeah. Well, they've you, got radar and 16 jets were scrambled. Right. So it's not like they saw something. They didn't see, uh, you know, Jupiter and, and Mars on their radar flying over their well, this <laughs> nuclear one, facility. This is a little different because it had a green aura. Right. And apparently 
one of the F4s tried to get lock on the object, but it jammed again. And then it also created turbulence, like a thunderstorm. Mm. And then a spherical object then shot off, leaving a green tail of light. Right. Which is unusual. You actually don't hear about some type of trail like that. You know, you normally hear about, um, you know, you don't see any trail. You don't hear any sound. Right. That's you, weird, right? Right. So the that's, green thing. To me, and maybe uh, maybe someone else has heard of this before, but that's actually, for me, of all the stories I've come across over the years, that's the first time I've heard of a, a, a visible trail of anything right. when it comes to a UFO. Maybe it's the Aurora Borealis. Well, maybe. Oh, I don't boy. Know. So then, Stephen, in 2012, a blip appeared out of nowhere on the radar over Iran, and the military scrambled more fighter jets, and one of them exploded in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so it turned deadly. Um, this is the one where, you know, again, this isn't They very... say it was shot out of the sky by the UFO that then reached Mach 10 and took off. Right. So it got to the point where a span of, you know, 1976 to 2012, where you're talking about these encounters with UFOs and the Iranian... Guard, Air Force, whatever you want to call them. And eventually it, it ends up turning deadly. Like I said, in 2012, one of them is inexplicably shot out of the sky. Is it from the UFO? Was there a malfunction? We don't really know. But what we do know is there's witnesses that this did happen. And then this, you know, unidentified flight object, this, this you know, unidentified aerial phenomenon, the UAP, like we call it, took off after that. And, yeah. you know, the, the kind of the, the signature move of any UFO that people report, which is goes from slow to super fast in the blink of an eye. And that's that's what it did. Yeah, they thought that it was shot by a laser. Both of the crewmen were killed on the plane immediately, instantly. And again, uh, armament systems would not lock onto the UFO. They tried rebooting. Nothing worked. The UFO then reached Mach 10. Jets can only go Mach 2, which is 1,000 miles an hour. Right. Mach 10 is like 7,600 miles an hour. And um, it's 10 times the speed of sound. Gosh. <laughs> we did have a NASA experimental aircraft that went 9.68 miles per hour. Thousand miles per hour, right? Um, and then there's light speed, of course. So again, ridiculous speed. The question is, and this is the question that we always ask when we talk about these stories: if it's not the United States, if it's not China, if well, it's they, not they Russia, they thought it was military spy planes from the U.S. or drones, right? But we don't, we but, don't have anything like that. But these go Mach ten, of- and then all of a sudden they go to zero airspeed and then accelerate to Mach ten immediately. It's like hello, it's impossible. So if, if, if it's not us, then who is it? And three separate occasions. Right. Jams everything. Uh, same type of thing. And that's what I always found fascinating about this uh, con- uh, congressional report that came out. And this is something that we said back in the first episode, Karen, which is it only went back to 2004. They don't talk about that stuff from 1976 or from the 1980s with Rendlesham Forest or anything oh, like yeah. that. Or even the Japanese airliner that we just talked about, the cargo plane. You're talking about stuff that was not covered in these in these uh, congressional briefings that that came out declassifying a lot of these UFO records. So you can you can attribute Anything you want, any type of modern-day sighting, if you want, contribute this one because it was 2012 and say, well, this was obviously some type of secret technology we had. Fine, go ahead and say that. It's 2012. Who knows what we have? But you can't tell me that we had that same exact technology in 1976. Yeah, like keep it in the under-earth thing that we talked about. Right. With, with uh, the, the uh, Dulce base. That's right. So That's where they come from. So, you know, here in the United States when there's a sighting, the media and everybody treats you like you're an idiot 
and they think it's hilarious. Right. In 2006, November 7th. Yes, story number three. This is really something. Five years after 9-11, Stephen, so you're thinking, okay, well, the government's going to want to investigate this strange thing in the sky. It was seen over Chicago O'Hare International Airport, one of the biggest in the country, and one of the busiest, and... This is the reaction. There was a disc flying outside above Charlie 17, and he thought I was pretty much high. But um, I'm not high, and I'm not drinking. Yeah. Someone actually has a picture of it, so if you guys see it out there. A disc. Like a frisbee? Like a UFO type thing. Like a frisbee? And I mean, there's it's so condescending the way some of these controllers were talking. There's a photo of it, and the, a group of people saw it. And you have some of these other controllers like, "Oh, are you drinking?" And you know, some of these pilots, "Oh, you, you know, you're, you're so crazy. What are you talking about?" And this is the kind of stigma that we need. To, I, quite honestly, I don't mean to get preachy, but it's the kind of stigma that we need to get away from. Yeah. If you keep talking about, "Oh, it's little green men," ha ha ha, then we're never going to get to the bottom of what's really happening here, and has been happening for quite frankly centuries. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, a long time. The government investigation only goes back to 2004. We're looking at stuff, you know, way before that as well, as you can tell. But this was November 7, 2006, right. and it was spotted over Gate C-17, United Airlines Gate C-17 at O'Hare Airport. It was seen by airline pilots, supervisors, and mechanics. A disc-shaped UFO hovering over the gate, and they were joking about it. Hey, David, it's from United Tower. Hey, did you see a flying disc out by C-17? Oh, uh, it doesn't even start, so... No, <laughs> Fly, You're seeing flying discs. Well, that's what the pilot and the ramp guys are telling us. The C-17, they saw some flying disc above, and we can't see Come above us. Come on, so... so. Hey, you, you, you guys been celebrating the holidays or anything or what? You having a Christmas party today? I have not seen anything, so... And if I did, I wouldn't admit to it. No, I have not seen any flying disc at Gate C-17. Unless you got a new aircraft you're... Uh, So there you go. I mean, he basically belittles so her. You know, she's just doing her job saying, listen, this is what they're seeing. And she's laughing kind of like nervously. Right. I mean, that's the kind of laugh that's, okay, this is There's awkward. a photo, I and mean, it's up at our blog, by the way. Yes. On 850WFTL.com, a UAP podcast blog. But even the media were joking about it. There's a story you may have already heard about. United Airlines employees who swear it was something otherworldly in the skies above Chicago's O'Hare Airport on November 7th. Several airport workers some of whom have talked to the Chicago Tribune, who say they saw a saucer-shaped UFO. They saw one, a UFO. They say it hovered over a terminal without lights before shooting straight up right through the clouds last fall. Yeah. So, again, this is the way things were covered. And, you know, now it's a little bit more serious. Even recently, if you watch things like, you know, Good Morning America or the Today Show. Tucker Carlson is all in on it. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, and so the, the mainstream media has been covering these things more seriously now. And whether that's just a shift in focus, whether that's just because, okay, maybe we should pay attention Not to it, I don't know. the government came out and said there are UFOs, but we don't know what they are, if they're alien or they're just unidentified. And that's the main thing, too. You know, and you talk about a sighting over O'Hare Airport around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the busiest airports in the in the world as it is. And now you're talking about one of the busiest travel times of the year. And a lot of people saw this and they have radar proof. Yeah, well, they were telling other planes to look out for it. All right, somebody reported a UFO or a flying disc above Charlie Concourse. Seriously. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so nobody can, nobody can see it, but use caution. All right. Um, and <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. He sounds like Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dogs. Gateway 5668. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, look out your window. Do you see anything above United's Concourse? They actually, believe it or not, they called us and said there's a, somebody observed a flying disc about 1,000 feet above the uh, Gate Charlie 17. Do you see anything over there? Not that I can tell. Okay. Yeah, I thought my job was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the time, the FAA claimed the witnesses might have been confused oh. by a weather phenomenon oh. for the flying saucer. Swamp gas. But... <laughs> Yes. We have rarely heard audio from the FAA airport radio communications from that day that might shed some light on this. And it comes from the mechanics who saw it. There was a group of them, and they took a picture. Uh, we saw it a half hour ago. Who saw it? A whole bunch of us over at the uh, Charlie Concourse. Really? Yes, did. Who's this? It was the United Taxi Mechanic. thought it was a balloon, but we're not sure. So they saw something, and I mean, if they're saying maybe it was a balloon, it's probably them just trying to dismiss yeah. it and make sense of it. So they don't get fired. The U.S. Right. Uh, military did investigate, and the FAA issued a statement basically saying nothing to see here, nothing unusual was detected on radar, no strange objects in the sky, but the mechanics saw it and took a photo. So take a look at it at the website. Uh, we saw it a half hour ago. Who saw it? A whole bunch of us over at the uh, Charlie Concourse. So there you go. I mean, if they're saying they saw it, and we'll have, like Karen said, we'll have that photo up, 850WFTL.com. It's kind of blurry. That's all right. It's on the UIP blog, along with everything else that we spoke about today, so you can see exactly what we've been talking about. And what's interesting about that uh, Chicago hair story as well, and this was something that kind of went under, no pun intended, the went radar, under the radar. You didn't. I did. Um, a lot of the, the records. <laughs> it was a blip. Yes. A lot of the records from that day were actually taken. Um you know, because so, you had different air traffic controllers who came out and spoke at some of these conferences that we're talking about has taken place in Phoenix. Some of these conferences, the air traffic controller who came out and said, yeah, you know, we saw it. We saw it on the radar and we had the records and some people came and took took it away. In black suits? Yeah, exactly. Which mm -hmm. also happened on the Nimitz, which right. is now a known fact when, you know, the... the in 2014 when that happens where they saw the ufo the navy did and off of the coast of san diego there and well, there's now uaps right right uaps which is why we call the the podcast uap but it doesn't mean unidentified aerial phenomenon it means unidentified alien podcast that is the difference just so you know and next week we're going to talk about yeah this is crazy um but also just to wrap up with, with Chicago, too, in some of these pilot sightings, that's why we wanted to start off Season 2 with these stories. Because I, I think, anyway, that when you can get a credible witness to talk about these things, it kind of opens people's eyes. Skeptics, you might say, oh, well, that's just some, you know, like I said, some dairy farmer out in the middle of Kansas or whatever, not paying attention. No, these are people, and not to put down dairy farmers in Kansas, but I'm saying, <laughs> as an example, that's how people think about, you know, people who see UFOs, oh, just some farmer or whatever. No. Uh, the cattle mutilization. Yeah. Mutilation. We're talking about people who, this was their life. This is their, they're in the air more than they're on the ground. And they're the ones who are saying, yeah, we saw something that we can't explain. So just think about that. Let Don't that laugh at them. No. Let, yeah. them, let them say their piece because there's something to be figured out here. And we don't know what it is, which is why we do this show. And we'll do it again next week because, Karen, I have something very special for you. This is so cool. So this now, I will be the first to say 
a disclaimer here, okay, for episode 12 next time. It gets a little conspiratorial. Oh, please. I know. It all's conspiratorial. <laughs> At least, you know, with some of the previous episodes we've done, we have, you know, audio, we have real instances, we have reports, we have radar proof, whatever it might be that we can point to to say, look, this really happened. You figure out what it is because one way or another, something happened here. Well, the Dolce Gabbana Air Force Base <laughs> was, doesn't have much. Well... It has Philip Schneider. Yeah. And now he's dead. But that's makes yeah. here nor there. Um but yeah, that's probably the more the most conspiratorial episode we've done so far was was the Dulce base. Until next time, which is Stargates and Iraq and other parts of the world. Because apparently, Karen, there has been some chatter that we saw some things inadvertently on a satellite. Oh. And we ended up investigating some of these things and then some fights ensued. Maybe having to do with the Iraq War, we don't know. So it was in Iraq, yes, the cradle of civilization. By the right. way, they're replacing the Hubble telescope with the Webb. It's going up soon. Oh wow! From Florida, so maybe we'll see some interesting you know, life on other planets. But yeah, it, it's interesting because in Iraq, there's the movie that came out, "Deliver Us from Evil," and some American soldiers in Iraq went into a cave. And they saw this writing on the wall, whatever, and they became one of them became possessed and then came back to the United States and was possessed with the spirit. Yeah, it's a pretty wild movie. There's all kinds of stuff going on yeah, in Iraq. That's where Adam and Eve are buried. <laughs> that's, that's right. We know exactly where their graves are, too. You know how they know yes. it's Adam and Eve? How? No belly buttons. Oh, wow. Look at that. Well, maybe, no, I won't even say it. But so, <laughs> um, I know, I know, look, there's been different movies and shows about Stargate. There was an actual movie and show called Stargate, so I get it. This isn't new, but what we're going to do is present to you some things that you may have not heard before, the background of all these things, of how it came about. And I actually have secondhand oh. account of uh, some stories about the Stargates in the Middle East. What is a Stargate? So, essentially, it's basically like a like a portal, really. Okay. Uh, you, like a wormhole? Kind of, yeah. Okay. You go from point A to point B. Okay. Um, so that's, there's a lot to get into with that, and we'll save it all for next week. Do you need weekend. a vaccine passport, or are you good? We're not sure yet. Okay. <laughs> all right. So until next time on Yay. UAP, make sure you download and subscribe all the previous episodes. If you've missed any, you can search them on Apple. Give us five extraterrestrial stars. Yes, please. And uh, you know, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. And of course, as always, 850WFTL.com, where you can hear the show as well locally here in West Palm Beach. But you can also stream it anytime you want on the website. Any of the episodes you missed, you can find them there too. UFOs are real. <laughs> so until next time, Karen Curtis there, Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Talk to you again on episode 12. Thanks for listening.